Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that can help you manage your practice with a suite of features that make it easy to meet with individuals, couples, families, and more. Here on Am I a Bad Therapist, we know that two of the most important things to us as therapists are confidentiality and our time. Thankfully, Jane understands that reliability and security are very important parts of running a private practice. Jane's cloud-based software is accessible wherever you have Wi-Fi, and their team is always ready to lend a helping hand. Jane is HIPAA and PEPITA compliant, and your data is stored safely in the country you practice in. So no matter where or how you practice, Jane's always with you in the most secure and helpful way possible. Not only does Jane help us protect our clients, but they help us protect our time too with features like calendar syncing, note templates, online booking, and they have automated reminders and workflows. Which you know we love on Am I a Bad Therapist? And you can learn more at jane.app slash mental health. You can also mention the code bad therapist for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Catherine, we talk about dual relationships pretty regularly on the podcast, but today we're going to hear from Leah in something that really stood out to me in her story, and I'm excited for our listeners to hear about, is how intentional she is with screening and trying to prevent dual relationships, but no matter how much we plan, sometimes someone might slip through the cracks. No. And here I'm sitting here thinking, man, I have navigated 
probably at least over 100 dual relationships at this point in my career. And I thought I had it down, but listening to Leah's story today and how thoughtful she was with her screening process, how confident she was with her own boundaries, and how much she thought ahead about potential conflicts as her or her family's involvement in the community grows. I was just so amazed by her level of insight and it sparked so much within me that I wanna reevaluate my dual relationship screaming process. So before we get into Leah's story, it's just a reminder that this episode is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself. All right, this is episode number 59 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hey, Leah, it's nice to see you outside of the network, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you guys in a different setting. You know, right? We're always so consulting and sharing, but now we're going to talk a little bit more about you and maybe some bad therapist moments. So but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am Leah Barnes. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor and qualified supervisor in North Carolina. I am also a licensed professional counselor in South Carolina. It's what happens when you live right on the border between the two states. I currently run my own private practice. It is just me. I provide virtual therapy, mainly with adults now. Um, And I also do licensure supervision for folks in North Carolina who are looking to get their full counseling license. Don't you do, Leah? I know. I was going to say so many things. (laughs) There's some, but yeah, it's a lot. I think that's why the three of us get along because we all do so many things. (laughs) Well, why don't we hear, Leah, what your story is that made you question if you were a bad therapist? Yeah. So this was many, many years ago. I was working with a group practice that did in-home child and infant mental health. So we worked mainly with kids ages zero to eight. Um, This was not an intensive in-home situation, just kind of having some parenting issues, some discipline behaviors, a little bit of trauma, whatever. And I have two kids of my own. And at this point in time, my kids were also in that age range. And so we would get a referral in and there was always a lot of checking to make sure that there's not going to be any of those dual relationships or anything weird. So referral would come in, would be given the address and also with it being in home, always working within my community. I wasn't driving an hour to the other side of town. So very cognizant of neighborhoods that people lived in, schools especially, making sure that if a potential client went to my kid's school, that at least they weren't the same grade level to make sure we're not doing the thing with play dates together and birthday parties and all of that. Um, So just, you know, a lot of awareness of those boundaries. And at this point in time, you know, my kids, like a lot of kids in that young elementary age, were involved in some extracurricular activities as well. So that was also something that I would keep an eye out for. So I got a referral for this one family. Address was good. School was good. Called them up and said, hey, I'm Leah. You know, I'd love to come out and meet you guys sometime. What works? 
the mom's voice sounded a little familiar, but so many people often do. We talk to so many people. So we set that up. I show up at their house. I walk in the door and oh my goodness, I know this woman. I sat next to her just yesterday while the potential client's brother and my son were sparring in their martial arts class. Oh my goodness. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Leah, I can we pause here? Cause I just want to say if this, this has not happened to me yet, probably only mm -hmm. because my kids are not in martial arts yet. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine what was going through your mind and the mind of the mother when you open that door. What, 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 what are your thoughts? So my very first thought was, I can't work with you. Our kids fought each other yesterday. <laughs> right? And even though it's, you know, of course, it's a controlled situation and it's, there's no anger involved. And the things that I may or may not have said sitting on the bench next to this woman was just that, oh, have I ever said anything inappropriate? Because again, we get kind of hyped up when, you know, the kids are doing their thing. Um, it was definitely a jaw drop and had to stop and take a breath and go, oh, what do I do here? Yeah. And you had such a thoughtful process, it sounds like, for trying to manage dual relationships or head them off before they came up. And we know we can't plan for everything, of course, but right. I can only imagine, or at least I could find myself thinking like, I have tried to plan for everything. I've tried to think of everything. And I don't know if it would have crossed my mind to think about the mom sitting next to me at martial arts for my kid. <laughs> no, no. And this is a, it's, it's a studio that a lot of families in the area go to. So anytime, you know, parents will put in lots of information in our screening form or would. And so oftentimes that would be in there. So I would know to ask, right, oh, your child does this martial art. Where do you go? And we could at least have that dis discussion ahead of time. But this wasn't even the client. It was the client was the sibling, which is why the name didn't sound familiar. And I'm sure, you know, if you've sat next to parents at sporting events, you don't always even know the parent's name. Like, I think mom and I had talked regularly for months she was so-and-so's mom. That's just mm -hmm. who she was. And same on my mm -hmm. side. And so it was mm -hmm. a shock to say the least. I do. I am curious which child won the match. Oh, I don't even remember. Probably. So that wasn't important. That didn't, that didn't factor in. There wasn't this no. ongoing competition. It was, a, it was one time sparring. It was part of their normal lessons. So they would spar regularly. And the my son and her son were both at relatively advanced belt levels. So, you know, they had been together, I mean, months, if not over a year at this point in time. So there's been that repeated contact in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So what, so the door opens, mm -hmm. you recognize each other. What mm -hmm. happens next? I say, Hey, I didn't know that was you as I'm taking a minute to gather my thoughts. And 
we sat down and I basically explained to her, I said, you know, I, well, her first thing was, oh, I'm so glad it's you. It's so nice to have a familiar face. Uh which of Mm -hmm. course, absolutely Mm -hmm. as a parent, when you're looking for therapy Mm -hmm. for your kid, it's, oh, this is somebody that I at the very least Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And so then I have to have the conversation of we can't work together because Mm -hmm. of this. And so I, of course, acknowledged that to her, like, yeah, it is so nice to have somebody that you know. And even though we're not close friends, there is a level of trust there. Unfortunately, given, you know, my state laws and my ethics, this just isn't something that we can do, especially given the nature of what our sons are doing together. You know, had it been something non-physical contact, that would have been a different story. There, It would have been more open for discussion on my side of things, but I can't have my kid accidentally hurting your kid or your kid accidentally hurting my kid, because that does happen sometimes in martial arts. That's just a reality of it. Um, And she was disappointed, but understanding. Yeah. I I really admire how clear you are on your boundaries. I'm sitting here listening to you and thinking, well, my goodness, I think longtime listeners of the podcast will know I, I, work. I live and work in the town that I grew up in and it's a very small rural town and I do this purposefully to give back and I freaking love it. But that leads to a lot of dual relationships and a lot of referred out because of dual relationships that I have to manage. And so I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, I thought I had clear boundaries, but Leah, I like this. I like this system. I like this checks. Like you go through a checklist. I might have to pick your brain and come up with some, some other checklist. How did you get so clear on those boundaries? Lots and lots and lots of practice and lots of being unknowingly put into uncomfortable situations. Uh, And a lot of, you know, clinical staffing and consultations, because I was part of a group practice at the time, most, if not all of us were parents. So these were things that regularly came up. And so just through that ongoing discussion and conversation, it was, oh, it's not just about if my child has the same teacher at a school. It's really looking at that. Yeah, they might have different teachers this year, but what happens next year? Mm -hmm. And so really thinking forward about that, but also taking things that I've learned from others. And honestly, even as a clinical supervisor, there's things that my supervisees have brought to me that it's like, oh. I need to kind of write that down, make note of that moving forward. That's such a good point. I feel like that a lot of my boundaries have absolutely come from experience or like being in a situation I was like, well, I don't want this to ever happen again. So here's a new part of my intake or here's a new boundary for me to put into place, um, which is that's how we learn. That's how we grow. Sometimes I'm like, wish I didn't have to actually go through this one, though, to <laughs> put it in as a boundary. Yes. Um, but it sounds like you, like Catherine was saying, you were so clear, which was amazing. I feel like I could have also seen myself, though, like mm-hmm. almost feeling a little bit of guilt in that mm-hmm. moment with her expressing like, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy it's Mm -hmm. you. And Mm -hmm. then I'd be like, oh, I feel guilty, like that I have to say no. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that guilt is absolutely there and it's real. There's been other circumstances where I've had to refer out for somewhat similar, but not as extreme. And there is that that recognition of, as a therapist, as a therapist with kids, as a therapist who has been in therapy and had our kids in therapy, I know how important that initial meeting can be and just having somebody where there is a level of comfort just helps build that rapport from the start. And there's absolutely some guilt in having to say like, I can't work with you Mm -hmm. and being able to really just lean back on, and there is good reason for me saying this. Mm -hmm. And I know ultimately Mm -hmm. it's in everybody's best interest that I don't work with you. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Hey listeners, it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs. Care. Allie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. Moving forward, let's get back to the show. I've had to have so many of those conversations and I think it's worthwhile to spend some time normalizing that for therapists because, and normalizing it for clients, because when we find ourselves, when therapists find ourselves faced with a dual relationship situation, you know, we have all this um, institutional knowledge about where this dual relationship could go, where it might go, what bad could happen, what good can happen. And our clients don't necessarily know all that when they when they walk in a room and see a familiar face or recognize a familiar name. That happens quite often to me in my town where, you know, they'll, uh, a potential client will know one of my family members several years ago or grew up with one of my siblings. And it's a comfort level to know and go to someone related to or just somehow tied to, even if it is the placebo effect, um, someone you liked or trusted in the past. And so I can completely relate to that, but it's difficult because we know where these relationships go and the power that is the therapeutic relationship. I just had a really 
difficult for me to navigate situation where a, a, a peer that I really respected in a totally different field than the mental health um, came to me asking, you know, to be my, to, to get on my caseload, to be my client. And I knew we would have done amazing work together, but I also know this person out of the context and I work regularly with this person. And so I said to the, the to him, I said, I want to give you the gift of like unfiltered therapy. And I know you wouldn't feel comfortable talking to me about certain things. And although they're not part of your presenting concern in the future, they might be. And I don't, I want to give you the gift of someone totally not tied to anyone. And he really responded to that. And I, that particular event really made me think about the psychoeducation involved and the time that we spend with these referrals out can be really impactful. And that I know we're not necessarily always paid for it, but it's, it's so valuable for these clients to understand why we're, why we're referring out. It's because we value what we're referring you to so much that we want you to have the best experience possible. So Leah, did, you said, I think you had said it uh, earlier, but it sounded like she was understanding of that. Like how did the rest of the conversation go? How long did you stay? What happened after that? Yeah. So we sat down at the table and this was pre-COVID. Um, so I'd had all of my intake forms with, you know, the consent forms to sign and go over and so we talked about, again, this is why I can't work with you. I would love to, but it's just not in everybody's best interest. Because I was part of a group, we did have other therapists who covered that area. So I said, I'd be happy to see who else is available to take you on. We talked about, do you want to fill out some of the paperwork now? She had asked, could we at least do the intake process, that kind of initial evaluation and all of the background information? And I had to tell her no, because one, there may be things that you're not comfortable sharing with me. I'm not going to be your therapist or your child's therapist, rather. And also, they need to start building that relationship with whoever the therapist will be. So I was probably there 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, explained, I took some of the time to just explain some of the company policies and procedures. So, hey, here's going over like the billing and no show policy, all of those things that are standard for everybody else, just to save a little bit of time. Obviously, I did not charge them for that time because that's not their fault. And I just wouldn't feel good about that given nobody could have known the circumstance there, but also did not do clinical work during that time either to make sure that, again, we're keeping that boundary straight. So it sounds like they were really receptive to it. She was, yeah. That's awesome. And I feel like, like Catherine, what you're kind of saying too is like that psychoeducation piece can mm -hmm. be so helpful. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because there we can't always um, – sometimes with like a dual relationship or if there's a conflict of interest, we can't always state what it is. So sometimes it's not as easy. Um, obviously, you were in person with her, could talk about it and give that education piece. So hopefully it can make it easier, make it easier to swallow. Um, but I can't help my mind then goes to thinking about, again, like these other conflicts of interest that come up and how, unfortunately, as we say all the time, it depends on the situation. Right. Yeah. And Leah, what was it like next time you saw this family uh, out and about at maybe a match? 
Well, and so I had also explained while we were there that even though I wasn't taking them on as a client, of course, there's still that confidentiality piece. So I said, I will not recognize that we have had this interaction next time we're sitting together. And she, of course, brought it up to me the next time was, oh, I met so-and-so and and they're great. Thank you so much. So glad to hear that and just really left it at that. Where it gets even a little bit more interesting was a couple years later, my daughter and the potential client ended up at a gymnastics class together. And so we both, you know, the mom and I walk upstairs and it's like, oh, hey, again. And of course, there was no issues there, but it's just one of those Leah, that was the situation you were preventing. That was the dual relationship you prevented. Exactly. (laughs) That is such a good point of like, it could come to fruition. Oh my goodness. Well, so Leah, what would you say this is, we talk about dual relationships um, and we talk about them all the time, but what would you say to a clinician who was maybe experiencing or find them, if they find themselves in the future in a dual relationship like this, where you didn't catch it before kind of the process started, you get to the session, it's like, oh no, we can't do this. What advice would you give? Always thinking about those boundaries ahead of time and being able to relatively quickly run through in your head how big of a dual relationship this is. Because just like Catherine was saying, you can't always avoid them. There are times that it comes up and we may be the only good fit. This was not that situation. But being pretty clear on what you absolutely need to refer out on, what you can work with, and to the degree that you can be open with a client or a potential client, really giving that psychoeducation and being open with them. If it's a situation where they can have a choice in the matter, letting them have the choice. So this was not, I was not comfortable with our kids fighting, but I have worked in neighborhoods where Mm -hmm. I didn't live anymore, but I've known plenty of the neighbors. And so being upfront, hey, I may be recognizable by somebody who lives three doors down. This is up to you if you're comfortable with this. Yeah, Leah, that's a very good point <laughs> that I had not considered about in-home services. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point in small communities. Yeah. Can I pick your brain? What other yes. boundaries have you discovered that you have needed to implement similar to that that others might not be thinking of? Mm, that's a good one. I really um, liked your thought about work, look, thinking forward, thinking about what boundaries yes. might be in the future. I think that's something I could be better about as well. And with the kid, kids in particular in grades, anything else yeah. come up for you? Yeah. The activities are a big one. Um, yes. And even my own activities, I'm involved mm. in, I have a run club that I go to and there's like downtown areas that I'm in frequently that, you know, I'll hear parents, oh, we were at the creamery last night. I'm going, oh, was I there? So really just being aware, especially in that initial session Mm -hmm. of being extra clear with that. No, if I, I will see you around town. I always phrase it as 
now that you've seen me once, you will see me a hundred times. And with, again, this was working with young children at the point. Mm -hmm. So they don't have that filter. Four-year-olds come up, Miss Leah, Miss Leah, Miss Leah. And so letting the parents know that it is okay to come up to me. I am not going to approach you. I'm also not going to discuss our work together while we're in the dollar section of Target. That's not okay and just not going to do that. I think I need to add that because, yes, <laughs> supermarkets, Targets, it's why I uh-huh. shop online now. Uh-huh. And I actually got that line from a coworker who had said it like now that you've seen my face once you'll see me all the time and it's so and i don't work in target right yeah leah i cannot thank you for bringing this on this on the podcast we have so many discussions around boundaries and referrals out and dual relationships that this one really highlights so many of those unique aspects that we have to navigate in kind of one situation that um, you had the prep work done for and you knew how to navigate. And thank you so much for sharing that with everybody. You are very welcome. And Leah, if anyone wants to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Best place is through my website. I'm not very active on social media. That is ridgelinecas.com. Um, There's contact forms, email, all that good stuff through there. And if you're on the network, I'm there as well. So it's always a great place to pop in and say hi. Thanks, Leah. You're welcome. Well, thank you again so much for sharing the story. It was so, again, like we said in the beginning, seeing you in this context was amazing. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. <laughs>